Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen. God is good. And all the time, amen. Welcome, those of you in person. The house is full. In fact, uh, for those families, we have families in overflow this morning. Um, We love you too. And we're glad that you're here. And for all of you who are joining us online, we are grateful. We miss the Thrive family. It's good to see faces. It's good to see you. Um, and uh, we're, we're open. Um, again, for those who are feeling ready to do this, how many know that we, uh, well, how many feel like I do? We're on the back end of COVID-19. We're on the back end of this. Yes. It's been difficult, it's been challenging, but God has been with us every step of the way. And so, um, I don't know if you know, because you you know what, not everybody knows this, because we have grown during COVID-19. We have grown. There are more people that are connected to Thrive than before COVID-19. And there are folks who may be moved in the area or um, during the last year, year, it's been a year, um, have rededicated their lives to Christ and they found us online. And you may not know that prior to COVID-19, we had four services on Sunday. Four services. It went from four services to none. Cold turkey. That was tough. I felt like I was going through the shakes or something a couple times, you know. Um, and, uh, and I believe that after all said and done, that the Church of Jesus Christ, not just Thrive, but the Church of Jesus Christ is going to be stronger than it was before. And that we're just getting started. Amen. Amen. Well, I get to bring the word today. We have an awesome teaching team here. Pastor Chris spoke a few weeks ago. Pastor Matt just spoke last week. Can we give all of our teaching pastors a hand? They do a great job of sharing the word. And uh, I mean, exceptional. We have an exceptional teaching team. They don't just like give me a break. I think like um, they're good. You know, Uh, they're not just giving me a break. They bring a great word. We're so grateful for them. But I'm going to bring the word today. And um, as we started a couple of weeks ago, if you're here here with us, or even if you're joining us online, um, would you stand for the reading of the word today? Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to read a a number of verses. We're going to read through verse 14 today as we journey heart and soul through the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Verse six, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance. March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets 
before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, <clears throat> do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pastor Matt started within this heart and soul series, a type of mini series, where we are going to be speaking, where we are speaking to the God vision, the God process, and the God results. The God vision, the God process, and the God results. And Pastor Matt did an excellent job last week speaking to this idea of a God vision. When God gives you direction, when he gives you a dream, when he places motivation and passion in you to do something you don't think you have it in you to do. And he made a very important point that God's vision requires a renewed mind. When God had showed Joshua, he said, see, I've given you the city. This is a fortified city. I shared a few weeks ago that, that this city of um, Jericho was an old city already, and it was known for its walls. It, the walls had been built for, for hundreds of years. This is the, the according to uh, historians, this is the longest inhabited city of all civilization. This was an entrenched city. So when Joshua with the new kids on the block coming in to this place, they, they don't, you know, they don't really belong. And God says, see, I've given you this city. God is implanting in Joshua a vision, even if it's too big for him. God has planted in you. He's planting in you vision. And at times it can be too big for you. But it requires a renewed mind in order to capture it. Can God really do this for me? I your story may be that I'm the result of, of, a, of a family who generation after generation is addicted to one thing or another. Can I really be sober? Or my great-grandparents got divorced and my grandparents got divorced and my parents got divorced and even I've suffered divorce. Can I stay married this time? How do I deal with my insecurities, my, my, my generational curses passed on? Can, and God begins to give you vision. Yes, your marriage can not just 
survive but thrive. And, and yes, you can break addictions. And yes, you can be restored in your soul. And, and yes, you can lay down anger, even though your grandfather was bitter and your father was bitter and you've been bitter, but you can lose your bitterness. I, God can exchange it for sweetness. And this image of you as a self-controlled person who, 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 is, who is getting it together might seem overwhelming. It's not what you're used to. God wants to give you something new. It requires a renewed mind. The God vision always comes, are you ready? You good? With a God process. The God vision comes with a God process. God is not a genie in a bottle. You can't, you, your worship, your worship doesn't require him to do anything for you. He's not a puppet on a string. He's the God of the universe. And he says, when I give you a dream, when I give you vision for your life, when I show you whether I birth it in your heart or I reveal it to you in scripture, or I show you the life of a brother or sister who is doing life the way you would hope to do life one day, he says, I can do that for you, but we're going to dance together. We're gonna move together. And I have a process and the old process does not work for the new vision. You don't put new wine and old wine skins. I got a new vision for you. It's going to require a new process, though. See, there's a saying. Someone said, I don't know who. I, I take credit, but I'm not a liar. But it's a, good, it's a good word. Good theology leads to good decision-making. Good theology leads to good decision-making. Who you believe God is... If you, got a, if you got a good, biblical, healthy perspective of who God is, it will lead you to good decision-making. If, you, if, if, if you've had a, a skewed vision of who God is, and you let the word of God realign that vision of who God is, it will change the way you live. God wants to put new wine in new wine skins. So I want to give you some good theology today. I want to give you some good theology today. It's really, really important that when the God process doesn't make sense, we know what to do. What do we do when the God process doesn't make sense? What do we do when God is working and moving and you know it, but you don't like it? Can I get a witness? You ever had a moment like that? But God, I love him. He's taking him away. But God, that job is perfect. He didn't let you get it. For once, you're qualified. Can I get a witness? <laughs> For once, you're qualified. You got the paperwork in and everything, and you don't get the job. That's because God, let me tell you, God is sovereign. He is sovereign. There are times, and because he's sovereign, he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it. And good, healthy believers are okay with that. There's a story of a man who at work, he got... He got uh, a blow on the head at work and he got unconscious and they all thought he was dead. And so he ends up at the funeral home and he wakes up and he sits up and he says, if I'm alive, why am I in this, cast, this satin line casket? And if I'm dead, why do I have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> you ever been in a situation where you don't know what's going on? 
There's all kinds of things going on. You have no idea what's going on. Can I tell you that sometimes, sometimes I've been at this since I was 12 years old. I gave my life to Christ for real at 12. And there are plenty of times I don't know exactly what is going on, but I know who's in control. And it's God. God is sovereign. So I want to answer two questions for you. Now I'm going to go quick. Is that okay? I got 10 things to tell you in a not, 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 not in an hour. I'm going to keep it short. So you got to be ready. I want to answer two questions. One, what is this God process like? God process is, I'm just using that, that term to, de- to describe when God is at work, when God is up to something in your life. What does that look like? And two, how should we respond when it doesn't make sense? Five qualities of the God process. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, what happens when you don't know what's going on? Number one, the God process manifests and magnifies God's own power. When God is at work, he's highlighting himself. He's not about highlighting you. He's about highlighting himself. God, when God is at work, he's interested in demonstrating his power, not yours. His grace, not your grace. He's interested in accomplishing his will, not your will. Because God is not a jack-in-the-box. He can wind up for your good pleasure. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. And when God is at work in your life, and you're wondering what in the world is going on, rest assured, believer, if you're devoted to him, you're minding your P's and Q's, you're, you're listening for his heart, You're scrutinizing, you're searching your heart like a good believer does. Is there anything at work in me that is unpleasing to you? And you give your life to him. He is looking to magnify and manifest his own power. Look at verse two again. The Lord said to Joshua, see, can you read this with me? See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Who was delivering Jericho? God. God wasn't interested in how good Joshua could fight. This was a fight, in fact, Joshua could not win. This is a fortified city. This is a city with the high ground. You know, in military terms, they had the advantage, all the advantage. They knew the land, they knew the resources, they had these walls up. God was not interested in how he could get Joshua to do a miracle because he knew Joshua could not do a miracle. Only God does miracles. So God, when he's at work in your life, and we, 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 we understand, see, good theology leads to good decision-making. When we understand that, hey, this is all about him and his glory, my life is his canvas, and he can paint on it how he sees fit, then we're willing to let him get the glory. We're not interested in our own glory. We're not looking to show off. The, 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 the believer who's walked with God sincerely long enough knows I can never outdo the Lord. You can never outdo him. Your plans aren't as good as his plans. What you can attain on your own is nothing near what God wants to give you. When God is at work, he wants to manifest his own power and his own glory. Are you with me still? Now, this is really important because of this. We live in a pluralistic society. It's growing more pluralistic every day. A pluralistic society believes there are multiple authorities, multiple authorities, that that one authority isn't greater than any other authority. 
But, and, 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 and we, not, we, need to make, we need to make sure that that idea doesn't sink into our good theology. We have one supreme authority, and that is God himself. That's why we have started. Believe me, there are lots of reasons why we should stand for the reading of the word. The reason we started to do it recently, we're going to keep doing it, is because for me, as a pastor of this home, uh, of this church house, I want to make sure that we, we understand that we stand in reverence to the supreme authority on the planet. That's the word of God. The word of God. We will not be a pluralistic church. We're a theocratic church. God calls the shots. God calls the shots. We handle our business and according to his work. The life lived like this is that wise builder who hears the teachings of the Lord in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and builds your life on the rock, which is the word. It's the word. And so we stand because there is a confrontation between our will and the will of God. Oh, come on. Don't act like you holy. Don't be calling me St. Eric Baca of Lathrop. I, we're all in process. Can I get a witness? And there are times we want to wrestle with him. And he's like, I'm trying to show off my glory. And you keep resisting me. I'm conducting an orchestra. You got your little triangle. You're trying to get in the way. You're rattling your triangle. I hear you. You're trying to run this symphony from your triangle. You're like, but it's a good one. It's a good, it's quality. I've been playing this triangle for years, right? It's all shiny. He's like, it's a triangle. Get with me. I'm the conductor, he would say. I'm, I'm trying to manifest and magnify my power in your life. We don't need to highlight you because you can't save your, your son and you can't save your daughter and you can't save your neighbor. What I want to do brings glory to me so that they might believe in me also. I'm trying to show off my power. We can, we can argue the God process, the God process manifests and magnifies his power. Number two, the God process proceeds from, number two, his presence. God's presence. That up there? We got to get that up there. Verse, oh, number two. Verse six, go to verse six with me. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord. See, what God wanted to do, he's up to something good. Someone say he's up to something good. He's up to something good, but it requires his presence. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. His process proceeds from his presence. It was God's presence that would lead the process that would guarantee the success. There is no success without his presence. If you want his process, it requires his presence. We can't make up the process on our own apart from his presence. 
That's why we do 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the year and then halfway through the year is to remind us as a community, we need his presence. You need his presence more than a promotion. You need his presence. From his presence comes the process. And his process is indomitable. It is, it is, it is, it is um, unstoppable. There's an account of a captain on a battleship, and, there, and there, it's a foggy night, and his, his, uh, one of his engineers notices there's some lights out on the horizon. This is the old, old days. They see a, a light on the horizon. And he says, well, are they moving astern, or are they steady? Are they staying in front of us? He says, they're, they're steady. So he says, well, get on the radio and let them know they need to move aside. And so they get on the, on the radio, and he says, this is, this is General so-and-so. You need to move aside. And the voice back, the young voice said, this is, this is uh, Luke, uh, Captain so-and-so, you need to move aside. And the general says, this is General so-and-so with uh, this battleship, move aside. And the young voice says, well, this is Captain so-and-so of the lighthouse, you move aside. <laughs> the general moved aside. <laughs> Because that lighthouse ain't moving. It don't matter what your title is. It don't matter how long you've been doing it. It don't matter what you got resources for. God's process, when his presence is there, we must move aside. We must make room for him. He doesn't move. His purposes are sure. His plan is sure. Are you following me? Number three, the God process often contradicts society's norms. When you're, you, how many have kids? Oh Lord. My name is Eric and I'm a parent. How many you know we need support sometimes? Have you, have you ever had one of your kids ask you for something and you, you say no because you're a good mom, you're a good dad. And they say, well, Jimmy's mom lets him. How many know that makes you want to say no every day for the rest of their life? How many don't care what Jimmy's parents do? We don't care. And if you're a kid in here, we don't care. <laughs> if you live in your parents' house, we don't care. And I would tell my kids, I don't care what Jimmy's parents foolishly allow their son to do. Because when you're in my house eating my food, enjoying my climate control, You're going to do, as I say, not what seems normal, not what seems typical, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you're going to do it. I, I am in charge of you. Now, you don't want me to, I have had this, I had this talk with my oldest son. He's doing, he's so amazing. He's a worship pastor and he's doing great. But we had a time when I said, you don't like it, move out. He was 13. <laughs> Where's he gonna go? He, 
eats too much and smells funny. He ain't gonna last anywhere for very long. He's got a beautiful wife. I don't know how he did it. But I said, you don't like it? You don't have to live here. But as long as you live here, you're gonna enjoy what I provide for you. It don't matter what everybody else is doing. We have our own tomb that we walk to. When God speaks to us, he's up to something. You don't get it. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter if he tells you yay or nay. It doesn't matter what everybody else at the office does. It doesn't matter what everyone else in your family does. It doesn't matter that it contradicts. See, the Christian values are becoming labeled every day as bigoted and hateful. It doesn't matter what society thinks. We stand not just for the word, but on the word. He trumps it all. So the God process, let me tell you, will often contradict society's own. I'm trying to prepare you as your pastor. When God starts to work, there are times when it contradicts everything that society would say. He might say you give when you don't know how you're going to make it. He may say you go and help that person who's been nothing but spiteful to you. He, may say, he might say you reach out to someone who they're the ones that, 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 that burn the bridge, but he says, you're gonna be the bridge builder. We might, God often works outside of the normal scope and sequence of society. But let me tell you why. What you want is what he has, and what he has is supernatural. She agrees with me, and she's not even one. Supernatural, supernatural. What you want is what he has, and what he has is supernatural. It's not natural to act the way he calls you to act, but the breakthroughs he wants to give you are not natural either. They're supernatural. The way he wants to bless you are supernatural. Are you following me? So the God process, even if it doesn't make sense, understand, understand this, be prepared. It won't look like everybody else's story. Number four, the God process is simultaneously external and internal. He is working outside of you and he is working inside of you. He's moving things around you and he's moving things within you. He's removing things from around you and he wants to remove things from within you. Are you following me? When he's at work, it's outside of you and inside of you. The process is not just, Lord, give me this or give me that or fix this. He says, I want to give you this and give you that, and I want to fix that inside of you. He's not a waiter. He's a healer. He's not a social program. He's a provider. Are you following me? When he's up to something, please do not compartmentalize yourself and say you fix him and you fix that. He wants to fix you. He wants to work in you. We've said this before and I'll say it again. The miracle, the most important miracle is within you, not outside of you. He, the, number five, the God process produces patience 
and faith in his people. This God process, when he's up to something, he's trying to make you stronger, more patient. I've said this before. Uh, I've said this to some, some, some young dads. My son, Canaan, um, got the best of me and the worst of me as a dad. How many know, you don't really know how to be a dad. I had a good dad who gave me a good example, but once you're doing it, how many know it's hard? You're not sure what to do. He got the best of me because I was uh, younger. So we'd play, we'd roll around, we'd go to the park. And, but he got the worst of me because I had a short temper. Too harsh on him sometimes. Now Levi gets the best of me and the worst of me. He's my youngest. He's 11 now. He's the baby. He gets the best of me because I'm more patient. But he gets the worst of me because I play catch from the couch. <laughs> Any other dads, don't raise your hand. I'll represent us. And if I miss it, he's got to come over, get it, and give it to me. <laughs> True story. Can I just tell you that God wants to make you patient? He wants to make you deeper. He wants to develop your faith. He's already part of the Jordan. Before that, he brought water from a rock. He, he met with uh, Jacob, the angel of the Lord, and now he's wanting the people of Israel to see him display his power yet again. But they're gonna have to walk. They're gonna have to walk. How do we respond? So these, this is what the God process looks like. How do we respond? Are you ready? I'm gonna be quick. First of all, I'm your pastor, I wanna tell you. You need to remind yourself of the nature of God, specifically his goodness and his omniscience. When you're like torn apart inside and you're, you're crying at night and you're worried all day because you don't understand what God is doing, you're, you're checking yourself. How many know you gotta check yourself? Because you could be up to no good or at least not good enough. And God will sometimes try to protect us. But when your heart's scrutinized and you've submitted it in prayer and yet still you're unsure why it's still hurtful or why it's still painful or what the delay is, remind yourself he is truly good and he's all-knowing. He's the standard of goodness. There's no other good like him. He sets the standard of good. He is good and he knows everything. You know why people worry? People worry because they assume they know what's best for them. I'm gonna say that again. People worry because they assume what's best for them. I had made an assumption that a girl I met when I was 18 was the one for me. Thank God he's good and omniscient. Because that girl, that girl was great. But I married Lori. Okay. Pastor Jason went to school with us. One day he came up here and preached and he said, none of us could understand why Lori Dickerson went out with Eric Bucca. <laughs> Thanks, friend. The Lord knows what's best for you. You do not, you do not, you do not. Bad theology is you think you know what's best. Good theology is you, you know God knows best. 
Remind yourself, speak to yourself, talk to yourself. God is good and he knows best. Number two, we need to trust God's plan is perfect. Someone say perfect. God's process is perfect. God's process is perfect. Verse eight, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. Check this out. Seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, and then they walked around seven times on the seventh day. The number seven represents perfection, wholeness, completeness. His process is perfect. His process is perfect. As the people walked around and saw the seven priests with the seven trumpets, and on the seventh day, they understood two things about the number seven at this point. In seven days, God had created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, they were to rest. His power to speak and there's stars and there's skies and there's, there, there's uh, the earth and there's the world and there's gravity. There's light and there's life with create his creative voice, his power. And then on the seventh day, he says, you rest. Rest in me, don't toil. Rest in me and worship. You work six days, but on the seventh, you rest. Why? You don't need to work the seventh day. Are you following me? His process is perfect. We're playing chess, he's playing checkers. No, that's wrong. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> and neither are you. You point at me three fingers back at you. <laughs> We're playing checkers. Enough said. <laughs> Number three. Oh, you're not going to like this one. I'm going to tell you ladies. Number three. When the God process doesn't make sense, how do you respond? Learn to stay quiet for a minute. Verse 10, watch. Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices. Read this part with me. Do not say a word. Now next week we're gonna talk about the shouting, but this week we're talking about the silence. Why did, if you read it, God didn't tell him, tell him not to say anything. Joshua knew how they were. And he could just imagine them walking around. Their parents were complainers. That's why they didn't make it into Canaan. They knew how to complain. They didn't know how to, pardon my French, shut up. They didn't know how to shut up. They didn't know how to hold their tongue. James tells us there, there is life and death in the tongue. When you don't know what's going on, don't walk around your house spewing out doubt and confusion and hurt the faith of your husband, your wife, or your kids. Hold your tongue and walk. When he's up to something you don't understand, hold your tongue. I'm sure Joshua was worried. You, I let you talk. You're gonna, you're gonna tell your neighbor you don't understand. It's hot out here. Look, it's so high. We can never do this. What are we doing? We need a new leader. And by the time they come back, they have a new golden calf. Joshua was like, don't say a word. I can't trust you. Can't trust yourself. I can't trust myself. There are times, there's a data shot. 
but there's a time to be quiet and just rest, just walk, trust you, trust you. You don't want to hurt the faith of a brother or sister. There's a time to be quiet. Just two more. You've been good. Thank you for hanging in here. Verse number four says, but how do we respond? Intentionally make God's presence central to your life. Don't happen to walk into God. Don't stumble into his presence. Don't just so happen that someone left it on Caleb in the car and the worship song comes on that touches you. Intentionally make God the center of your life. His process proceeds from his presence, friend. You have to daily, daily get up in the morning, get up in the morning and greet the Lord. As you go about your business, listen to something that scripture. Make sure you're in your word. Spend time in prayer, confession. Meditate on him. Make God's presence the central part of your life. He's not a hobby. If he's a hobby to you, you can't receive the new things he has. He's not a hobby, he's your life. He's not religion, like a hobby. It's a relationship. It's the very purpose for why you live is to abide in his presence. Intentionally, somebody say intentionally, make God's presence central to your life. And the last one, last one, is walk in obedience. Verse 7 and 14, and he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. They did this for six days. What do you do when you're not sure what's going on? Walk out what you know. Say this with me. Walk out what you know. Walk out what you know of the Lord. You're not sure what's going on, but you got to keep your tongue. You don't know what's going on, but you're sure not going to lie about it. You don't know what's going on, but you're not going to cheat anybody. You don't know what's going on, but you're going to let your frustration out on your loved ones. You don't know what's going, what's going on, but you're still going to be generous. You don't know what's going on, but you're still going to serve. Are you following me, family? Do what you know. Do what you know. You know to stay faithful. You know to get in your word. When everything is going on around you and you're not sure what God is up to, walk in obedience. His word still reigns. This is why, well, this is probably why the Lord prompted me in the middle of our worship set to say, it's not about how you feel right now. Don't try to capture a feeling. He is God Almighty. Give him what he's due regardless of how you feel. When you're not sure what in the world is going on, act out in obedience. His orders are not the reason to have a discussion. His orders are the reason to obey and to live. You know what to do. Can I just tell you, Fred, to sum it up. Today, you might be hurting today because of your own decision-making. Either you had bad theology or your relationship with God is non-existent. You've looked at church and the Bible the way a pluralistic society looks at it. One of many options, hey, that's good for you. 
Might not be good for me. But can I tell you, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Jesus doesn't give you room to make him just another God or another way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, come to me and I will give you living water. He told a thief dying on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He's not just a prophet. He's not just another God. He doesn't give room for that. He can't just be like your favorite team this month or, or who you rooted for in the Super Bowl. It can't be like that with God. He's the one and true living God. There is no other God beside him. So the road is narrow. The road is narrow because there's only one way. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to life, eternal life and life on the, abundant life on the planet. There's only one way. He isn't part of a bigger plan. He is the plan. Religion without that is dead. It'll leave you empty, frustrated, confused. But when you accept that and you give him your life, it all comes together and you realize he was the only way. Let me pray with you. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.